98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. We're into the 5 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo show, and I thought Eric said it really well earlier in the program. You could almost hear in our newsroom when we're all, you know, getting ready for the show and we're all on social media and seeing the latest of what's going on, and I don't remember who the first who was tweeted out, who tweeted that DeAndre Eaton made the admission that he hasn't spoken with Monty Williams since Game 7 against Dallas. You could hear the reaction in the newsroom. You could hear people like, what? You could hear people sitting at their desk going, huh? I expect that from Monty. It, we were all, that from yeah, we're all looking at the same thing at the same time, and nobody, there was a, this moment of disbelief that they haven't spoken once, not at all, they haven't had a conversation. Makes it seem like, honestly, it makes it seem like, you know, that there's still a grudge there, that maybe Monty's holding a grudge, the way the season ended, DA says, I can't pass myself the ball, and Monty's like, what did you say? Like, what did you say? And then they haven't spoken since then, and now camp's starting, and then, you know, you don't want that, you know, you don't want this young player who you're counting on heavily, you know, to, to, to be concerned about the coach and how the coach feels about him and do you want me do you even want me here so I, I think you know, I put a lot of this on Monty I really think that Monty should have addressed this at some point during the offseason let me play some of the sound here for you today was the opening of training camp they had one of their first practices and after yesterday's certainly noteworthy appearance at media day and we'll talk more about that in the next segment DeAndre Eaton I'm, to my surprise was one of the first ones to speak today and he was asked about speaking to Monty after Game Seven, and that's when he made the admission that he hasn't. I haven't spoken to Monty. Yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't spoken to him ever since the game. I haven't spoken to him ever since the game. I can't believe it. When and, was the, that game? Was May fifteenth? Yeah, May fifteenth. June, July, August, September, October. Took about five months. Mm-hmm. You haven't talked to that guy in almost five months. Yeah. He a follow up question was, well, are, are you are you happy to be here? And the answer he gave was kind of complicated. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm in between those lines now, just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, I have an organization across my chest, and the name on my back I have to represent. I'm just here to work, man. I'm just here to work, man. Doesn't sound like a guy that is thrilled with his thrilled with his situation. No, yeah, he should be right. He should be like this. Should be the happiest time of his life. He just generational wealth for him and his family. He just signed a maximum contract. He's going to get a hundred and something million dollars. Like, you know, he could buy an island in the Bahamas. Like, he this should be the happiest time. And the fact that he's not, I just think, you know, he probably feels like the relationship with Monty is damaged, and it may it may be beyond repair. Yeah, we've got uh, like we reacted to this in the moment at two o'clock and there's a really good video circulating on our Twitter page of kind of like in our in the moment reaction. And you're absolutely right to react the way you did. And I think Suns fans are absolutely right to react in the sense that this this is on Monty. I mean, Monty, 100%. You're, Monty the grown up. You're, you're look, I get it. And I'm, I'm going to play a Monty response. I'm going to play a couple of Monty responses. But one of the main things he said, because he was asked about it. And one of the main things he said was, I, I just felt like everybody needed a break from me. Oh, I, I think I haven't talked to a bunch of our guys. Um, as I said earlier this summer, like they, they needed a break from me, the gym. Um, unless you were in the gym like every day, I've had interactions with everybody, but talking to guys about 
deep stuff. There's a number of guys I haven't talked to. Like you, I'm really surprised yeah. and I'm disappointed that Monty didn't recognize that DeAndre was probably the one guy he should probably have a conversation or two 24 with. 24 years old, you guys ended on terrible terms. Um, you know, and it was opportunities. Like, like I said, like DeAndre Ayton, when, when the Suns matched the offer, that would have been a great time for Monty to extend the olive branch as the 50 year old guy extend the olive branch to the 24 year old kid and say, Hey, listen, just wanted to say I'm really happy for you and your family. I know you worked really hard for this contract. I'm glad you got what you wanted with the max deal. Looking forward to seeing you in camps. Anything, just anything. But it seems like, it seems like from the outside that Monty is still holding a little bit of a grudge for what happened in game seven and everything that transpired. I understand you wanting to give the other guys a break, but you've got a damaged relationship with one of your star players that needs to be repaired, and you're the guy that should repair it yeah. because you're the veteran. You're the, you're the grown-up in the room at 50 years old that has a lifetime of experience, and this kid doesn't. You should have reached out to him at some point. Look, I'm a big believer that actions speak louder than words, and I think we talked about this when the when the Suns matched the contract offer to DeAndre Ayton. It took him 90 seconds to do it, right? Yeah. Like they, Boom, it was done. And I would, I would agree that the action of doing that speaks louder than anything anybody could say. Hey, look, dude, we want you back. We want you back so bad. It took us 90 seconds to decide to match that contract offer from the Indiana Pacers. But I think in this case, words matter too. And words from a guy like Monty matters. And Monty's normally so good about kind of reading the room like this and, and, and managing situations like this. I'm just, I'm really surprised. And, and so now here he is having a talk about it, and Monty Williams added this today. He was asked a question about DeAndre being happy here. This is his response. I don't think that's even a question anymore. I think, one, I, I never want to answer for guys. I think all of our guys are happy here. Uh, we've won a lot of games, and we've had some success, and then when you have a blip on the screen, like the Game 7, as I just said, things get magnified. And to be straight, like I'm not going to talk about this anymore, because it just doesn't make any sense to keep talking about one guy after one game. Hold on. There's one more. Well, I'm going to play this okay. one, too, because this is part two from that. We lost game seven, right? So I just, I don't, I just don't do that. I think when you, you have competitive people, you're going to have bumps in the road, like I have with Book, I have with Chris, I have with Kale. And you grow from those things. You know what I'm saying? So I, I I can't answer for everybody, but I think most of our guys would say that they love the culture, they love being here, and, and I'm, I'm as happy as I've ever been as a coach. Do you ever go five months not talking to Book or Paul? You ever go five months? I'm not going to talk about this anymore. You can see the frustration. I mean, I, I mean, you get you the feeling that neither it. one of those guys is happy to be with the other one. I mean, DeAndre wanted out, and maybe Monty wanted him to be out, and it didn't happen. And um, I think for a long time, the thought was that the Suns were going to do a sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton. They were going to do something, and then when the Nets deal fell apart, and the Nets didn't want him, which I reported the day that we found out that Durant wanted to leave, maybe they were never able to do a deal. And then the whole Indiana thing that 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 transpired. There was never a sign and trade to happen there. Uh, and the Suns weren't going to lose him for nothing. So I... I just think that Monty's responsibility is to is to get to this camp where everybody's on the same page. And it's hard to be think think about yourself if you're a young person out there and you don't have a, a good relationship with your boss. You don't have a good relationship with him. He doesn't talk to you. He doesn't even talk to you. And like that's gotta be hard to go to work. 
got to be hard to go to work when you're, you know, you're, you've got this tension between you and your boss and you think that he doesn't like you and you guys had a little spat and now you got to go to work every day. It's got to be hard to go to, it's got to be hard to be DeAndre Ayton and go to work knowing that your head coach, you know, the last time you spoke with him, you guys had a falling out and you guys haven't repaired that relationship. Yeah, and, and on the one hand, people might look at it and go, man, he's getting $133 million. He's fine. He should be okay. But this is it, not specifically this, but something like this was what I was worried about, like from the minute this all went down. Like they're just, I was worried that $133 million wasn't going to be enough in this situation and it wasn't going to be enough to say, hey, DeAndre got paid everybody's good everybody's fine it always felt like it was going to be more complicated than that it always felt like it was going to be more intricate than that and i just assumed that monty williams and james jones being kind of the sort of sensitive always aware intuitive leaders that they are might have sensed that deandre would need more than just 133 million dollars that there'd need to be a conversation to yeah. kind of we good everybody okay we we you know how is this going to work we because it was an awkward off season to be sure and i, I i'm shocked that it didn't happen i i just I'm shocked that between James and Monty, it, it, it didn't happen. Um, I, me too. Me too. Because I, again, I put this on Monty. It's Monty's responsibility as the, as the grown up to make sure that that, that relationship gets repaired and that the kid doesn't come in, you know, feeling like the coach doesn't want him there. I mean, it's, it's hard to play. It's going to be hard to play if he doesn't think Monty wants him there. I, I am really, like, that really took me aback when I heard that comment. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Five months? You haven't talked to the kid in five months since game seven? Like this kid's somewhat fragile. Like he's, you know, he's a young kid. He's a, he didn't get his max contract. He had to wait a year until he got it, and he still didn't get a five year max. He got a four year max, and make him feel wanted, make him feel appreciated. Reach, reach Olive Branch, Olive Branch. You need listen. Here's the bottom line: you need him. He doesn't need you. You like you need him to perform at a high level so this team can win. Well, as Mitch points out, there is an open practice this Saturday at Footprint Center, 11 o'clock in the morning, your first look at the 2022-23 Suns. Maybe you can show up for yourself this weekend and see what's going on yourself when they're practicing. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, then there's the perspective of a guy who has covered the NBA for years and what he saw yesterday out of the Suns kind of depressed him, and yet he's not that worried about it. We'll explain it coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. 7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, before we talk about what Mark J. Spears, longtime NBA insider, had to say about the Sun situation this morning with Bickley Murata and what he observed yesterday at Media Day, which kind of set the tone for this weird story today about DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams not talking, you had something you wanted to bring up. I did, I did. There was another... Um, very high profile coach player spat that happened this off season. It was Kevin Durant and Steve Nash. Yeah. Kevin Durant asked for Steve Nash to be fired. To be fired. <laughs> it's not as awkward as it gets. So I had to look this up because I just wanted to know. Did Steve Nash talk to Kevin Durant? That Kevin Durant wanted you fired. Like, or is Steve Nash like, you know what, screw him. I'm not gonna talk to him. 
We're fine. We're good. Ever since we talked, it's been like nothing's changed, said Steve Nash. I've got a long history with Kevin. Love the guy. Families have issues. We had a moment. It's behind us. That's what happens. We all were hurting, seething to go through what we went through last year. The reality is we were able to talk and discuss what we could improve on from last year and also keep perspective. We went through a ton of stuff. (laughs) Bingo. Bingo. Steve Nash, the guy wanted you to be fired. What did you do? I'm going to talk to you. Let's talk. Let's talk this out. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Let, let's see if we, we have to get, we have to have a conversation so we can get past this. But Monty doesn't speak with DA. Steve Nash, my, Steve Nash was, the, the guy wanted you fired. Right. But Steve Nash reached out to Kevin Durant. They had some conversations and they cleared the air as best they could so that way they can move on. Well, and, and what did Kevin Durant say about the Nets the last couple of days? Oh, he basically said, hey, look, I, I, we're good. We're, we're fine. Good. I'm back. Good. Everything's okay. I, I get it. It's, sh- I, I had some concerns. They were addressed. I get it. It's not easy trading me because I'm so good. It's going to take the right kind of package. So I'm back and everything's, everything's okay. I mean, look, part of that conversation stemmed from the fact that the Nets basically told Kevin Durant, dude, we're not trading you. I mean, it's just that simple. So we, we're going to have to make a way for this to work because we're not dealing you. We're not trading you. We're not moving you. You're going to be on the Nets next year whether you like it or not. So we better figure out a way to get this to work. And so Nash and Kevin Durant and Joe Sy and Marks, they all sit down and they break bread and everything's okay. But it could have been such bad blood between oh, the coach course, and the player. Of course. I, but I mean, they, Nash, I'm going to reach out. We'll but, talk. But, but in a let's situation talk. like that, okay, so let's, let's go with this for a minute. In a situation like that, it's absolutely imperative that Steve Nash and Kevin Durant have a conversation. Of course. They can't exist without a conversation. Of course. Same thing okay. here, though. And that's my point. Is that the same thing had to happen here? And it didn't. The exact same thing had to happen here. I, I mean, if Monty wants to go the whole offseason and not talk to Book, fine. Yeah. Not talk to Paul, fine. They're, they're your leaders. They're your veterans. They get it. They understand. Man, DeAndre Ayton thought he was going to get traded. DeAndre Ayton signed an offer sheet with another team. The Suns organization saved themselves $40-plus million by matching the deal instead of giving him the deal that he wanted. All of these things might leave DeAndre Ayton in the state wondering, do they really want me here? And, and again, you give a guy $133 million, that should be statement enough that they want you. But I get from Aiton's standpoint why a conversation probably would have been a good thing for all sides. Maybe they want him or maybe they just didn't want to lose the asset for nothing and they'll trade him at some point. But to, you, to, 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 to further this argument, what was the lead on SportsCenter five minutes ago? Was it Steve Nash and Kevin Durant haven't spoken or was it Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton haven't spoken? It was Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton. Hey, Monty, come on, Monty. Monty, you got to know better, Monty. You got to know better. This becomes a national story that you guys aren't talking. Five minutes ago on SportsCenter, they're showing it. Steve Nash talked to Kevin Durant. You know what wasn't a you know what wasn't a lead story on SportsCenter? Steve Nash and Kevin Durant haven't spoken. No, that no because they took care of it. Yeah. I I mean I I I just I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Listen, I have all the respect for Monty. He's a great coach. He's done so much for the Suns. I'm surprised that he took this approach with DeAndre Ayton. Me too. Me too. I'm surprised that he didn't recognize that maybe a different approach was going to be necessary with DeAndre Ayton. Necessary. Yeah. You're right. Necessary. It was, it was just necessary. It was just it was a, a conversation you had to have because it's been such a tumultuous offseason between the Suns and DeAndre Ayton. I I just I, I really 
again, just surprised, really surprised. Um, maybe that sort of helps paint the picture for Mark J. Spears, longtime NBA insider who was on with Bickley and Murata this morning, who said, look, despite all of this, now this, now, he said this before the Aiton stuff came out. All right. He said this before Aiton came out today and said, I haven't spoken with Monty Williams since game seven of the Mavs series. This morning on Bickley and Murata, Mark Spears says, look, I think the Suns team is still very dangerous. Contract now. So there, there is no contract issue. The Sarver situation is hopefully away soon. And they could just focus on basketball. So this is, to me, a very, very dangerous team. I am not sleeping on the Suns in the least. This morning I thought the same thing. This morning, I thought, okay, media day didn't go so great, but it's just media day, and and who knows? Maybe maybe the Suns decided that media day isn't a day that we should be super jovial because our owner has to sell the team because of the things he did, and we shouldn't be too, you know, out loud and proud about everything. But but I thought, I assumed that Robert Sarver selling the team kind of cleared the way for the Suns to go, okay, that's over, that's done, let's just go play basketball. Right. And instead, it just feels like with this Aiton thing continuing today, that it's just, that this drama-filled offseason for the Suns continues. I don't know when it's going to end. It'll end when they start playing games. And they could just, you know, we just concentrate on, on, on the product on the court, I would think, you know, unless we go back to, you know, if, if, if we go the first, you know, 10 games of the season and you've got a max contract player that's not contributing well and not playing well, like, oh man, this is, this is, this is not going to be good. You know, the other thing that's got me thinking about too is that January 15th date. Yeah, of course, because the next game that they play after the January 15th day, the next nationally televised game they play is against the Nets. It's against the Nets. But, but I mean, even beyond that, just like that date was always going to loom. That date was always going to be in the conversation about DeAndre Ayton. But now after the tone of his responses yesterday at Media Day, which I get is probably overrated. It's just Media Day. It's just whatever. But then follow that up with a day later, the admission that he hasn't spoken with Monty Williams since Game 7 of the Mavs series. Suddenly that January 15th date becomes a big, I mean, it already was Circled. Yeah. Now it's like get the big red pen and circle it in red and get the highlighter out and highlight the number 15 on the calendar. I mean, I'm now get arrows pointing to that day. Suddenly, January 15th becomes a very important day for the 2022 23 Suns because I don't think any of this Aiton stuff has been resolved at all, no matter how much they want to tell us it has to your been. your point from earlier, though, if he's playing extremely well, you're not going to want to trade him. And if he's not playing very well, there's not going to be much of a market to who's trade. Who's paying him $30 million a year? Nobody wants to pay Sanders $30 million a year anymore, it's, unless you're Nikolai Jokic or Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert. It's, it's, it's really the conundrum. Because if he plays, if he comes out and he plays great, if he's, you, you can't if, trade him. If he's the version of DeAndre you've always wanted him to be the first two months of the season, you can't trade him. And if he's you playing, if he's not playing well, Who's going to pay him $30 million a year for the next three and a half years? Yeah. Unless you're the Suns and you've made up your mind to trade him no matter what. But I think that's derelict. I think that's irresponsible to do that if you're if the Suns. If he's playing great. If he's playing great. Is there a middle Is there a middle ground if he's playing good? If he's playing good but not great? I mean, in January, you'll have taken off, I don't know, what's that, uh, $15 million from the contract. So instead of owing him $130, you're still going to owe $115 million. You're about halfway through the season by the time that date comes around. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I mean, money-wise, you don't owe him as much, but you still owe him on the back end for Thing all those is, years. Like, you can't trade him to Indiana the entire on January 15th. No, it has to be somebody it else. It has to be somebody else. It has to be somebody else. And, and you couldn't trade him to Indiana. Can't and, touch that this year. I, 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 you know, I really thought that date wasn't going to have that much meaning to the Suns, and now I'm coming to the realization that date's going to mean an awful lot to the Suns. I'm, just, I, again, and, I'm, I'm baffled by Monty's decision to not try to try to mend those fences, man. So they could go into this training camp without having that over their heads. We turn our attention back to the Arizona Cardinals and a quarterback that they've faced a couple of times in the last couple of years, albeit in a new environment. Baker Mayfield needed a change of scenery this offseason. How has that impacted his play on the field? We'll talk about it coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. The only other quarterback who has completed a smaller percentage of their passes going into week four of the NFL season than Baker Mayfield is Justin Fields. And the Bears are averaging, no lie, 78 yards per game passing so far this year. <laughs> I, I did a double take when I saw that number. I'm like, the Bears are only averaging 78 passing yards per game? Oh, man. Like, I checked it. I double checked it. I triple checked it. Yeah. Wow, 78 yards passing per game? They're two and one, so I yeah. guess, okay, whatever. But go, Name a great Bears quarterback. <laughs> Need to name one, guy. Uh, name a great Bears quarterback. I, I, Anybody I, out there? I can't. Yeah, because there isn't one. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it just doesn't what exist. What doesn't exist? Yes. There's never been a great Bears you, quarterback. You cannot find it in nature. Nope. It just does not. Maybe it's Justin that. Fields changes that. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't but look like it. He's Baker, averaging 74 yards a game. Baker Mayfield's overall completion percentage of 51.9 <laughs> ranks ahead of only Justin Fields at 51.1 among quarterbacks who have started every game. His completion percentage is 10 points below his career average. He's better than this. He's better than what he's been with the Panthers, and at some point he will be better than he has to start, but Baker Mayfield, look, and I'll be the first to admit it, I thought he was going to have a career renaissance in Carolina. I thought him going there was the best thing that could happen for his career. Hasn't happened yet. I still think it could happen eventually, but it has not happened yet for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Carolina... You went all in on Sam Darnold. That flopped big yep. time. To the point where you actually picked up his fifth-year option, which you're paying him for this year. Right? Yes. They're paying Sam Darnold a lot of money to not play. Mm-hmm. So then you go out and you get Baker Mayfield, okay. And it's like last year you brought back Cam Newton. That didn't work. You got Darnold. You've got... Then you go Mayfield. If Mayfield doesn't work out, you run into this problem. Man, what are you going to do? You know, you were almost better off. Like, I like Seattle's approach. Now, I, I, I think it was worth a try with Baker, but I like Seattle's approach. They suck. Geno's terrible. Run Geno all year, get a top five pick, and go draft, uh, you know, hopefully draft your future quarterback. Go draft your next Russell Wilson and, and right, exactly. have a quarterback on a rookie contract for the next four or five years, then spend money on everything else. That's yeah. how you won a Super Bowl in Seattle. That's how a lot of teams go to the Super Bowl. We were talking earlier in the in the show about the Jags, the Dolphins, and the Eagles and the seasons that they've had so far. Yep. Look at their quarterbacks. 
Rookie contract, rookie contract, rookie contract. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal in this league when you can get play out of that position at that price and you can go spend on everybody else. That's a huge deal in this league yeah. when you can do but that. But Carolina, like, you just hope that Baker, like, if, if, if Baker, if they realize Baker's not the guy, you just don't want Baker to go win you seven or eight, seven games and then you're picking, you know, 14th in the draft. Yeah. And then you miss out on the top three quarterbacks. He struggled. He's been sacked. Talking about Baker Mayfield and the Cardinals opposition this weekend. Uh, Baker Mayfield's been sacked nine times. He's completing a tick under 52% of his passes. He's got three touchdowns. He's got one interception. The Panthers are converting 27% of their third downs. That's 30th in the league. By the way, the Cardinals are one of the worst teams in that metric as well. Yeah. Uh, his quarterback rating on third downs are awful. Ooh, man, they're bad. It's, it just, it's, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league so far by just about every single metric and, and not the, getting his wide receivers involved in the game, you know, not getting DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson involved and uh Chenault had a couple of catches. Uh but yeah, it's it's it, it, it's it's bad. So they've got to rely on their defense, they got to rely on their running game. And you know, maybe for them, I mean, their dominance over the Cardinals, you know, they've won six straight in the series the past three years they've won the game. Maybe I mean, maybe Mayfield will be okay. Like maybe he'll be all right. I mean, he's not doing any more commercials where he's you know, the stadium is his home he's just got football to concentrate on but the question is, did he end up in a good spot? Like, you know, did he end up with a with a team good enough to win? Because if he fails here, then if he fails in Carolina, then you're talking about, okay, that's it. Your, your best bet is to be a backup now going forward for the rest of your career. Absolutely. Oh, this is, this is it in terms of him being a starting quarterback in this league. It's either do it here and build off of that. If you don't do it here, you're Yeah, it's career, hard to say somebody's going to give you a although Carson Wentz keeps getting chances so there, there yeah, is always does, is that rare he? guy that keeps getting a chance to play. He keeps failing up, doesn't he? Although he's on the commanders, so it's not like he's that up. But yeah, he he. I don't think Baker Mayfield will get another chance if he if he can't agree. get it. Here. I would agree with you. I, I, I would think that's it for him. Yeah, his receivers, and they're not helping him either. There's a lot of drops there. Their you know catch percentage among those receivers, whether it's Shy Smith or DJ Moore, they're in the bottom six in the league in catch percentage. So a lot of times they're targeted and they're not catching. He's not getting any help from those guys, but for Baker it's it's been a rough start and this matchup against the Cardinals I believe he's 0-2 against Kyler Murray he's never beaten him, it's always a kind of a deal when those two get together because they know right. each other oh, so that works for the picks. Cardinals yeah, they've got that going for them, yeah. this, this matchup against the Panthers so they can't beat the Panthers, but Kyler's hasn't lost to Baker in two games well, you know, it's funny, the Panthers, I had forgotten about this they had a nine-game losing streak dating back to last season. Yes, they that just they snapped br- it. That they broke. Against New Orleans. Against New Orleans. They had lost nine straight. The team they won, that they beat before, they went on that nine-game losing streak? Cardinals. Last year. The last win they had. That was had. the last win they had before they proceeded to lose their next nine straight bleeding over into the season. That reminds me of the Keyshawn Johnson conversation from a couple of weeks ago. They had one win with Rich Kotite as their coach. Oh, it was against Cardinals. It was yeah. against the Cardinals. It was against the Cardinals. Yeah. And he and he he made me look up. He didn't make me. I looked it up on my own. But Keyshawn Johnson had a good day that day. He did have a good day. He told he told a great story about that game where he was a rookie in the league and he was bad mouthing Aeneas Williams who was trying to cover him and he was trash talking Aeneas Williams. Aeneas just, and he's like, Praise God, the Lord. God bless you. Praise bless the Lord. You. You're You're God has blessed career. you with a great career. And Keyshawn's like, I didn't know what to say after I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna pray for you, son. I'm gonna pray 
happy for you. I didn't know what else to say about him. Yeah, this matchup, and we'll probably talk more about this as the week goes on. Cardinals have not beaten the Panthers since 2013. Yeah. They've lost six straight. And that includes... Rashad Mendenhall had a touchdown in yeah. that game. Jay Feely, you know, who's like 50 years old now, kicked a 50-yard field goal. Um, Wait, hold on. We're going to get to Jay Feely text Jim in Dre, like three, two, and one. He's going to text us any minute now. Jim sure. Dre had a touchdown catch. Um, Daryl Washington yeah. was one of the key players on that defense. Yeah. As a, where have you gone, Daryl Washington? Now you, you say that, and you look at a six-game losing streak, and it's not like all of that happened five years ago, six years ago. Cliff and Kyler have lost all three games they've played to Carolina, and they've lost to Teddy Bridgewater. They've lost to Kyle Allen. They've lost to P.J. Tucker. I mean, those are the quarterbacks. In other words, Cam Newton last year, he had the touchdown run and the I'm back, and he did the Superman thing, and he got yeah. you know the penalty for that. But the quarterbacks, by and large, from Carolina who have beaten the Cardinals the last three years, Kyle Allen, P.J. Tucker, and Teddy Bridgewater. Or P.J. Walker, I'm sorry to say Tucker. I, I, that's a P.J. Tucker. I said Tucker the first but time. But this backs up the argument. Like, who the hell are these people beating the Cardinals? Sorry, P.J. Walker, Walker, not P.J. Tucker. My apologies. Thank you for correcting me on that, Mitch. I appreciate yes. it. Yeah. Um, I caught it the first time. I didn't catch it the second time. Uh, it's been a one-sided affair all the way between these two teams. So how much that history plays into it, I don't know. They've got Christian McCaffrey. they got a great defense. That those that and it might be a very wet track, yeah, on Sunday, and that might play in it. This is a make no mistake. Cardinals cannot lose this game. No, they cannot no. lose this game. You fall to one in three, and then you start to realize that you're, you know, you you've got such such a hell to climb. Now I still. You know, I, I still don't think the NFL. I, I really would not be surprised if somebody got in with an eight and nine record to the playoffs. I mean, Dallas stinks. The Giants stink. We saw New Orleans. I mean, it's not like who's good. Like who's good? The Eagles might be the best team in the damn NFC. Them and the Packers. I mean, the, the Bucks don't. You know what I'm saying? It does. The Forty Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo. He they lost last week. Yeah. Like I just like you might get in with eight wins. You might. You might. But then the question. That would be their only hope with starting one and three is that the NFC is just not very good. Then the question shifts: Are the Cardinals good enough to get eight wins? And the way they've played this year so far, that's a question. So I don't know if we you have to go can seven and sure. six. You have to go seven and six in the final thirteen games if you started off one and three. Yeah, seven and six, but it's doable. It's doable. It's doable. But based off the way they've played so far. Yeah, they'd have to work on the, like, the, the, Hopkins is back and right. I mean, Rondell Moore is back, and we're just we're gonna get guys back. Yeah. And by the way, on that. I said Cliff and, and somebody sent me a, a note on Twitter. I said Cliff and Kyler haven't beaten the Panthers. One of those games was Colt McCoy, too. Last year it was Colt McCoy. Yeah. He got hurt in the game. He didn't play well, and he threw an interception. But, but yeah. right, maybe they'll resume. Darrell Washington's only 36. It's been a couple of years since somebody's asked me about him. Like, hey, is there any chance? Like, you know, I mean, he's, he's 36. I'm, te- we, I'm, te- I'm totally teasing. Of course you're teasing. Totally. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the defensive woes for the Arizona Cardinals, so they played well enough against the Rams on the scoreboard. There are some issues they've got to deal with on that side of the football. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, Diamondbacks baseball is on tonight. Right now they are losing one nothing to the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve, a solo home run, leaving the first Ooh. inning. 
I think we're going to take a look within the next couple of days of what our predictions were from the beginning of the season and then our grades at the midway point. Eric was working on that. Was he? Yeah, like just what we predicted and, you know, what, what their record would be. Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what I predicted, but um, we'll see how close we all were. Diamondbacks right now, I think I'm going to come pretty close. Okay, you might. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to, I think I said 74, 75 wins. And they're at 71 right now. Okay. So I, th- I think I'm going to be close. All right. I think. You might take the cake. I could be wrong. Is there a cake to take? I don't I mean, we could get one. Like, you know. I've, I've, I've never. I haven't had a piece of cake in a long time. I am never not in the mood for a piece of cake. Honestly. I've never. Like my. my you got a little um, sweet tooth? My. A, 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 a little? I got a lot. Yeah. I got a whole a mouthful of, of <laughs> sweet teeth. Are you kidding me? It's just uh, like. In fact, today, um, uh, you know, my son's getting married in February. Married? Married. Married? Um, and today, so he he's moving, moved. And so today, his fiance, who's still here in Arizona, needed someone to go with her for the cake tasting. And, oh, and, and you're I, like, I'll volunteer. I was, I was yeah. unavailable. I was very disappointed. I was so disappointed. What like, time yeah, was it? I'll go. It was uh, at 1230. Oh, I couldn't make man. it. It was too close to the meeting and the show and everything. I'm like, yeah, I'll just sit they around. they make and, all these cakes for you and then you, you just try them and you buy one? Yeah. You, how do they do it? Why, why would they make five cakes for you to, to try and then and then pay you, you buy well, one? Well, they don't they don't make whole cakes. They just make little cakes. You want this cake? Do you want that cake? Like I give you a little slice of cake and I say, what about this one? How do you make wedding? a little cake? Well, you've been With in a nothing, little pan. Yeah. You've been in nothing but cake. They have those little cakes. Oh, the little ones like that. Okay. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Have you ever had a cupcake? Yeah. That's a little cake. Is basically a cake. It's a little yes, cake. Yes, it is. Okay. So they make you a cupcake. Yeah, they make you a cupcake. And they say, this is what the cake will taste like. So I could have gone and just eaten cupcakes all day today. Damn. But instead, I had to come in. in here and do a show with you. I like cupcakes. <laughs> so do I. Like I say, I like cake. I've never said no to a piece of cake. There's not a, there's not, I haven't had a Duncan Hines, like, make it home cake in, like, honestly, like, 10 years. There's not, I don't think I've ever you had You buy a, the frosting, you buy the cake, you course. make it. Like, I haven't had one of those. And it's like, like, not like even a type of cake that I don't like. So bad for you. Oh, it's terrible. So much saturated but, fat, like, you know, that's why I haven't had one. But, yellow you know. cake, vanilla cake, chocolate oh, yeah, cake, yeah. red velvet cake, carrot cake. I feel like I'm, you, I'm You'll take the cake when I'll it comes to eating cake. cake. Give me a cake to take, and I'll take it. 100%. Maybe, listen, I got a good idea here. Why don't we send a cake to DeAndre Ayton and sign it from Monty? <laughs> hey. <laughs> listen, we'll just, we'll, we'll be the, we'll, we'll bridge the gap. Let's come up with an idea. <laughs> well, we could send one to Monty. Hey, this, this, you know, from DA, just send him, you know, chocolate covered strawberries. No, no, cake. Let's do you. I, li- I like where you're going with the cake. Or maybe it's maybe like an ice, cake. an ice cream cake, right? You go down to, to Cold Stone or whatever, you can get one of those ice cream cakes. Oh, Carvel ice cream cakes. So they were my, they were my jam back in the day. Yeah. Hey, DA, let's talk, Monty. DA, just, sorry we right. missed each other. Let's talk. Ma, that's a lot to write on a cake. Look, I just, wanna, something. I just want to break the ice-ing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> hey, I just want to break the icing sign, because it, it, it was funnier the second time, as opposed to the first time you said it. It was so much better the second time. That was around. hilarious. Are you kidding me? Icing. Uh, by the way, uh, our guy Mitch found that oh. Nash sound you were talking about. Please, can you play it? I can. On a day where DeAndre Ayton said, I have not spoken to Monty since Game 7 of the Mavs series. And on a day where Monty, yeah, we haven't spoken. There's lots of guys I haven't spoken to. I wanted to give the guys some space. Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, and I are moving forward after he called for me to lose my job. Knowing Kevin as long as I have, it didn't really bother me the way maybe everyone would think. I, you know, that's a part of being competitors. I, I wasn't like... Um, overly surprised, and I wasn't even overly concerned. You know, this is something that I thought we would address and in time, and we did, and and here we are, and we're looking forward. I think that's, uh, you know, there's something in this that we can all grow from as well. One more. That's a private conversation, so I'm not going to get into it, but uh, it, was a, it was an opportunity for us to clear the air and just communicate, and I think it was pretty straightforward. It didn't take a lot of time, and uh, we got to the bottom of it and, and decided to move forward. I, I, I mean, wouldn't just, you look at it? Replace, to this. replace Steve Nash with Monty Williams, replace Kevin Durant with the eye. If you had heard that from Monty, play it back and just pretend this is Monty. That's a private conversation, so I'm not going to get into it, but uh, it, was a, it was an opportunity for us to clear the air and just communicate, and I think it was pretty straightforward. It didn't take a lot of time, and uh, we got to the bottom of it and, and decided to move forward. If that was Monty talking about DA, how good would you feel right now? I feel better. feel good. I feel, I, I, you feel good. I, I still, I, okay, I don't know how I'd feel if DeAndre Eaton were still giving off vibes like he wasn't happy. If he didn't have that vibe. So if he didn't have that vibe, then yeah, I'd feel okay about them moving forward. But between DeAndre Ayton's vibe yesterday, the admission that he hasn't spoken to Monty, Monty confirming that he hasn't spoken to DeAndre Ayton since Game 7, it's all of it adds up. And it's just a... Now, maybe they'll start the season, they'll start playing games and nobody cares. They'll start playing games and everything's okay and they're on the basketball floor and, and everything fits and everything works and everything's fine and, and they're two people who can co exist with, not, without acknowledging what happened in that Game 7. Maybe they're fine like that. But I, I I just I give Monty Williams so much credit and respect for what he's done with his team, and I just cannot believe he did not have a conversation with DeAndre Ayton at any point this offseason. At any point this summer. And not just because they exchanged words after Game 7. Because of that, because of the contract, because of were they trying to trade him? Did they actually want him? Did they just not want to lose him for nothing? I mean, all of those things. You're counting on him to be a major part of your organization. Geraldo Perdomo, by the way, a home run, and it's a tie game 1-1. You're counting on him to be such a big part of your organization. I feel like you can, if you don't want to talk to Chris, don't talk to Chris. If you don't want to talk to Devin, don't talk to Devin. You'll be fine with those guys. Talk to DA. Talk to DA. Maybe they, maybe they will, but uh, I mean, at some point, you're going to have to say something to them. you got to coach them. We're out of here. We will see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo have Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.